Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast, current events, local, world news, and trending. I am your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me this Friday evening at 10 p.m. This is September the 9th, 2021. And we'll talk about the possible uh, digital IP program coming to Ontario. And the new Canadian border rules expected to cause some delays. And of course, what are those new border rules for international travel? Thank you for joining me. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday night. I hope everybody had a really good week. I hope everybody out there had a safe week. It's been hectic out there. Traffic is picking up. More people are going back to work. I know this because I see the traffic volume uh, being a, a truck driver and that. So, um... Well, let's start off with this uh, Ontario preparing to launch a digital a digital ID program and how it's going to work. And I and I saw this article the other day, and I thought oh, this might be a little bit interesting here. So, now the Ontario government is, is talking about launching a digital identification program in the coming months, meaning people will no longer to carry physical driver's license or health cards. According to the government of Ontario, the digital identification identification program is scheduled to launch in late 2021. So are we talking October, November? So it's going to come out in December before 2022? I don't know. So I guess people here in Ontario, Canada, will be able to have an electronic version of their trusted government ID, like driver's license and health cards, which the government says is more safe and secure. You know, my driver's license in my house card is safe and secure in my wallet. And the digital ID will allow people in business to prove who they are both online and in person. According to the government, the digital ID will offer more privacy to users. I have an example here. If you need to show your age of majority, the verifier will only know that you're over the age of 18, not your date of birth or your actual age. And the digital ID is not stored in a central database and is only saved on your own personal mobile device, which could be turned off remotely if stolen. You can make that wallet 
on your phone now. And you can put things into your wallet that your identification. Thank you for joining me this evening here on the Truckers Podcast. I am your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. So I'm out here uh, talking about this possible digital ID program, a program that the Ontario government is looking into. And what it means is that um, our driver's license and our health card will be stored electronically on our cell phones. And that it will allow the digital ID will allow people in business to prove who they are both online and in person. And one example before you came on on here, this is in Canada, Ontario, Canada is where the Ontario government is talking about this digital ID. So one example they have here, if you need to show your age of majority, you know, to get into bars or clubs, the verify will only know your age, not your birth date or your actual age. Now they're saying that your digital ID, like your driver's license and your health card It will not be stored in a central base, in a central database. It's not a tracking device. It's not usable without your permission. Now they're talking about where you can use this. We'll be able to use this in a wide range of locations. And the government says it'll take years to unlock the full potential of digital ID but has provided a list of where people can use it when the program launches. Some of the settings include making an age-sensitive purchase like a lottery ticket, picking up a package at the post office, apply for government assistance such as disability support or benefits such as the Canadian Emergency Recover Benefit or your unemployment insurance, access It'll access and use um, vaccination records. You can open up a bank account, make it a medical appointment, visit a doctor, access medical records online. You can can apply for and renew your, your, replace your health card, renew your, your, uh, replace uh, your license plate sticker. And as a business, the digital ID can be used for hiring new employees proving business identity or verify those of of other businesses, open business accounts, apply for loans, grants, tax credits, and verify customer's identity. You know, really, I like where my identification is already, and that is in my wallet. I have my health card, I have my driver's license, I have my social insurance number, 
I have all these things that I keep in my wallet. And that's where I like to keep it. Now, you know, it, you know, it's funny how I say that because, you know, back in the day, um, you know, in, in the early 80s, um, when, com when computers started to come out and about, um, I was one of those people that, you know, oh, I will never use a computer. What will I need one for? You know, they came out with the Mac and, you know, all these things. And and then they came out with the cell phone. You know, and then as, as things progressed, you know, further on, you know, the, you know, the computers got better. The internet faster. Cell phones today are actually more expensive than a laptop. And the technology that's going into the cell phones today and going into the laptops or computers. So I was like one of those people that, you know, I'll never use these sort of things. You know, but it catches up to you and you finally realize that, you know, you have to get in line because, you know, how else are you going to do anything really? You know, we, we have Facebook, you know, we have other social medias, YouTube and LinkedIn. And here we are using this technology for podcasts that I can talk to you from Canada here in Ontario no matter where you are in the world, if you're listening, who would have thought? So when it comes to this new digital ID, maybe there's something that's just, you know, down the road that people and like myself included, We'll have to jump on that bandwagon. But I'll still always carry it in my wallet. But maybe it is a good idea because you know how many times I've lost my wallet? You know how many times I had to replace my identification? And it cost, it costs money to replace your ID. Now today, if you lose your phone, you have find my phone. Whether your phone is on or off, if you have that set up on, on, your, on your cellular phone today, you'll be able to track where your phone is. I mean, how many times have, have you, you know, have been out, um, you may be shopping or you may be at a club or whatever the case may be, and you get halfway home and you realize you don't have your cell phone. 
or you realize that your cell phone is missing. Now on my cell phone, I have find my phone and I have that set up. So even, you know, even, you know, even if you lose your phone or someone takes your phone, they can't access it. You know, I have a pretty difficult password to even unlock my phone. You know, and I don't know why I did that because sometimes I have to think for a few minutes and thinking, what is my password? Why did I make my password so difficult? You know, but anyway, with this digital ID of all these things um, that you're going to be able to do. And I guess, you know, you do it right from your laptop, right from your laptop, do it right from your cell phone, you know, to access any government when it comes to your employment insurance, your disability, And even making an age-sensitive purchase. If you're if you're buying lottery tickets, you're buying tobacco, you're buying marijuana. You know, which by the way, marijuana is legal here in Canada. You know, you can do all that purchasing and, and show And show that ID that you are of age in order to purchase those certain items. Renew your driver's license, renew your sticker for your license plate. All these different things. You'll be able to do it. with this digital ID, what the government wants to come out with. Now, as as you know, I mean, schools are back in here across Canada, universities, colleges, public school, high schools, Catholic schools. Now, of course, you know, if you're a first year student in college or university, you want to make your experience the best experience that you could ever have because you're either going to be in university for five years, seven years, college four or five years, And your first experience being away from home, being away from mom and dad, being out on your own with your friends, making new friends. And of course we know the university students, college students, you know, 
they like to party. And here in London, Ontario, Canada, where I reside, that's nothing new. When it comes to the university students and the college students, when they have their parties. And they have big parties. I'm talking thousands of people. Now, this is really not the time to have these big parties. I'm not saying, you know, don't go there and have fun. I mean, enjoy your experience, but do it responsibly. Here in the city of London and all cities across Canada, you know, over the decades, you know, we as citizens who live in these cities and have lived in our cities all our lives have put up with a lot from college and university students of their mass partying. All the noise and damage that they have caused over the years. Now, in the mid-2000s, I remember one particular party and it was with the the college students here in the city where I reside, that it got so out of hand that they even overturned a news vehicle. They had sofas and chairs burning on the streets. Damaging police cruisers blocking emergency vehicles. It was just crazy and out of control. Now with this pandemic going on, health officials, the uh, police and government and one particular Um, city is Kingston, Ontario, Canada, where they had a gathering of almost 4,000 students for a party. Now, so far, I think there is roughly about 100 students in that city that has come down with COVID. And this is only the first week of school. Now with the health officials, the government, and especially the government has turned around and said, instead of a $500 fine for breaking the rules, because here in Ontario, You know, we're only in stage three. And outdoor gatherings are only up to 100 people. 
where social distancing can be maintained. Now, if they go over that capacity, the fine is like $500. Now, the officials are telling the students in that particular city of Kingston, Ontario, that the fine will be a minimum of $2,000. And your name will be named public. So not only are they going to find you $2,000, they are going to shame you. Now, I don't need, really don't need to think that they need to go as far as naming you and shaming you. But you should know by now, and college and university kids, I mean, they're pretty smart kids, right? pretty smart kids that they show and they should know enough by now, you know, with all, all the shutdowns that we have been through here in Ontario, three shutdowns, three shutdowns, by the way, that we have been through. And we certainly don't want to go backwards. You know, Canada, has one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. We are sitting approximately 77% of all Canadians vaccinated. Now this stage three reopening, you know, yes, all our non-essential business are open, our movie theaters, our gyms, haircutting places, bars, restaurants, patios, you know, to a certain capacity. Depending how big of a space that you have. So if your restaurant or bar per se, you know, could hold 500 people, then you're only limited to 250. When it comes to, when it comes to the movie theaters, no more than a thousand people in the building at one given time. Because how many movie theaters do you have in a cineplex? Six, seven movie theaters, movie theaters in a cineplex. Venues like weddings, again, any, you know, if you're going to have your wedding outdoors, you know, it's at a capacity of about a hundred people. But you know what I want to see, this is really, this is what I don't want to know. This is what I don't want to know anymore. I don't want to know how many cases that we have every single day. I don't want to hear it. What I want to know is how many people are in the hospital in ICUs. Because that number will decide on whether 
we go backwards again. If our hospitals and ICUs start to be overloaded, that's going to determine whether we move from stage three back to stage two, to stage one, and then finally another lockdown. That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear case numbers on a daily basis. I can look at them on myself. I don't have to hear it. I can just go on here and I can look up to see what our case counts are here just in Ontario. And I can tell you right now, we're pushing over over 700 just to here in Ontario. And that's considerably low compared to what we were in the springtime. In the early spring, we are over 6,000 cases a day. But I don't want to hear that anymore. To me, that, that is just absolutely irrelevant. What is, what, what is relevant is how many people are in the hospital and how many people are in the ICU and is our hospitals being overloaded. Now, here in Canada, we are in a federal election. Our prime minister decided, I guess, that it was time to call an election, call an early election. Our election day is September the 20th. Now, throughout the campaigning, with the candidates, of course, the prime minister and the other parties. You know, people, you know, you go out and, and you hear what the politicians have to say. And of course, any election, doesn't matter, pandemic, whatever. We always get those groups of people who get out there and protest. It happens every election, you know, but this one seems to be a little bit different, you know, because this pandemic is going on and, you know, people, you know, seem to be more agitated. People seem to be more upset angry, you know, um, but I got to say this, you know, the federal government here and not here in Canada, you know, stepped up from the get go and, you know, helped all Canadians who needed help you know, it, you know, with the non-essential businesses, because they're the ones that had to shut down. People out of work. So they came up with the um, Canadian Emergency Recovery Benefit of $2,000 a month. And then, of course your EI premiums. And still today, the government is still paying out money every week to Canadians 
that need it. There still is a lot of people that are not back to work full time. Still a lot of people are still working from home. And not going to the office. It doesn't matter, you know, who you vote for. You can vote for whoever you want. Right? That's your right. But when it comes to the these certain groups that are getting out there and, and protest, you know, there's there's a wrong way of protesting and a right way of protest, protesting. The right way is being civil. You can protest, it's not against the law. You can be civil about it. And then the wrong way about protesting is being unruly. Sometimes protest turns to violence. Sometimes protest turns into racial slurs. And this has been happening throughout these candidates who are who are campaigning to run for the prime minister's office. And even here in the city of London, while the prime minister was here campaigning and getting ready to get back on his bus, rocks and gravel was thrown at him. Racial slurs. even directed at the media who is going along with the prime minister while he does his campaigning. That is absolutely ridiculous. The anti-vaxxers are out there. The anti-maskers are out there protesting of the measures that have been put in place. But let me remind these anti-vaxxers or even the anti-maskers, when it comes to the anti-maskers, it's not the federal government. It's the provincial government and municipalities who make up these laws when it comes to mask wearing in public buildings. And when it comes to the vaccines, well, that's through the federal government. Because the government, the federal government purchased these vaccines for everybody. Now here in Canada, you know, when it comes to our health care, we pay it through our taxes. That's how we pay for our health care. Because nothing is is free in life. We pay it through our taxes so that we don't have to pay it out of our pocket later. So when I need to go to the doctor, I don't have to have a, a, a copay. I paid already. I go to the hospital. I need urgent care. 
or I have to stay in the hospital. It doesn't come out of my pocket. It already, I already paid through my tax dollars. Corporations tax dollars. Now I get it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, there's always been people. There's always, always have been people out there who don't vaccinate. And that's their prerogative. They don't get vaccinated for the flu, whatever the case may be. But here across Canada, here across Ontario, you know, when it comes to education and kids going to school, that every child has to be vaccinated. Now these anti-vaxxers, they've been vaccinated or they wouldn't be able to go to school. But the time comes when they're old enough to make their own choices. They can choose not to. But in a time of crisis, in a time of a pandemic, and with this Delta variant floating out there and it's out there and it's the dominant variant of COVID-19, it's more infectious and it's more dangerous. Then, of course, you know, you have the people, excuse me, who don't believe any of this. Believe what you want. But for those people, who don't believe in this, they spread all this misinformation. Misinformation is harmful. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the World Wide Web. But there's also this thing called fact checker. And you can check the facts. You can get the facts. So, excuse me. So when it comes to getting out there and you want to protest, do it the right way. Stop with the racial slurs. Stop with the violence. And say your peace and move on. It solves nothing 
when people take the wrong path when it comes to protests. You know, I get it. I mean, people hold in their anger for a long period of time and then they just have to let it out. I get that. Whether it's Black Lives Matters or it's indigenous people and, 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 their, and, and their rights and how long they've been suppressed. You're always going to get those group of people out there that's going to cause problems, that's going to be violent. And it's ridiculous. We here in Canada and like everybody else around the world, are trying to get out of this mess. We want to all move forward. We all want to get back to normal. And like I've said from time to time on my podcast, it's going to take all of us to do just that. Here across Canada and all provinces, not only the government, corporations, education are mandating vaccines. Even in the, even people who are who worked on the front lines throughout this pandemic. And I'm talking about the doctors and the nurses. Those are the people who would come face to face with COVID-19 on a daily basis. Stepping up. To help save people. Now, even in, in the healthcare system and people working in the hospitals, they want everybody who works in, in these places to be vaccinated. Now, why wouldn't they? And for those still who don't want to be vaccinated, they're subject to a rapid test twice weekly. And they're also mandated to go to classes about vaccines. 
Now you think when it comes to, to education and all the teachers, to be vaccinated. And again, for those who haven't been vaccinated yet, they have to have a rapid test done twice weekly. School-age kids, 12 and up, are eligible for the vaccine. They're even talking about including this vaccine in the law that is already out there. That all kids eligible, 12 and up, that this be put in our vaccine protocols in order to go to school. How long is this pandemic going to last? I don't know. I guess it's up to us to decide how long it's going to last. Is there going to be trickling effects down the road? Probably. Is this something that we're just going to have to live with? Maybe. We live with the flu. Every year, every season. Kids still get chicken pox. I had chicken pox when I was a kid. I had the measles, I had the mumps. And as an adult, I've had shingles. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy because it's very painful. And of course there's the shingle shot that you can get. And especially for me, you know, already having shingles. I'm 58. And every year I get the flu shot. I have elderly parents. I'm very fortunate. I'm very lucky that my parents are still here. So I protect myself in order to protect them. I had no problems of getting the COVID vaccine. I never even thought twice about it. It's, it's not an old age infection, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it will affect the elderly more than young people. But also the young people 
who are getting COVID are ending up in the hospital. They are ending up in the ICUs. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you because, you know, this, you know, it's not a hard, is it really not a hard decision to make? And I said this before on my podcast, when it comes to, you know, vaccines in in this particular vaccine, you either care about yourself and your family, and your friends, and your co-workers, or you don't. As I see it, in my opinion, the anti-vaxxers out there, they don't care. They just simply don't care. This is a virus that I would not wish upon my worst enemy. I don't want disease or viruses punishing me my, my worst enemies. I'd rather do that myself. Now, the other thing, too, about this pandemic, ladies and gentlemen, you know, over the course of time that we have gone through our lockdowns, our stay-at-home orders, you know, only going out for essential things, and, you know, how empty the roads seem to be. People, you know, driving faster, driving more erratic, you know, just blatantly not following the rules because they got room to do it. Now, over time, as things are getting better, there's more traffic out there. Now, here in Canada, you know, unlike the United States and maybe other countries around the world, your speed limits are maybe in miles per hour. Here in Canada, our speed limits are in kilometers. So 100 kilometers is 60 miles an hour. Highway speed. We have what you hear, what you call here in Canada is a stunt driving law. And that means racing, speeding. And what happens if you get caught going, you know, 50 kilometers an hour over the speed limit, 
or 30 miles per hour. The new law now is that you lose your car for two weeks. Your license is suspended for 30 days and you still have to go to court. Now, with the kids going back to school and the school buses out there, you know the rules when it comes to school buses. That you stop in both directions when the lights are flashing on the school bus. And maybe where you're from, in your cities, in your communities, you have posted speed limits for school zones here in Ontario, where I reside, Canada, it's 40 kilometers an hour, which is roughly 25 miles an hour going through a school zone. Well, this one driver was going 100 kilometers an hour over the speed limit in a school zone. 60 miles an hour over the speed limit in the school zone. This happened in Brampton, Ontario, Canada. It was going more than three times the, spo the, the posted speed limit in the school zone. He was charged criminally with dangerous driving. He is also facing multiple charges under the Highway Traffic Act, including stunt driving and speeding, which I said that his car has now gone to the impound for two weeks. Automatic driver's license suspension, and he'll have to go to court, especially when he's being criminally charged with dangerous driving which is a criminal offense. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may or may not have little ones going to school. Whether they're walking to school or they're being loaded onto a school bus. You, as a car driver, has a responsibility. And that responsibility is that you follow all the traffic laws. Speed limits. Whether it's highway, whether it's city, and in residentials. And even some residential areas in the city of London, Ontario, where I reside, the speed limit has been reduced from 50 kilometers an hour, which is 30 miles an hour, down to 40 kilometers an hour, which is approximately 25 miles an hour. And still people driving 
faster in those speed limits than they should be, especially residential. You have parked cars on the roadway. But it only takes a child to run out onto the roadway. And you're already driving too fast. You know, here in Canada, as, as the season is changing, it's getting dark earlier. Around 8 p.m., it starts to get dark here in Ontario. It's still nice weather. And in the evenings and weekends, you have your neighbors and the kids out playing. But it's also important to make yourself visible. Wearing brighter clothing, something reflective. So you can be seen. I don't know how many times that when it starts to get dark early, that I'd be coming down the street and people are dressed in dark clothes. And they're crossing in the middle of the roadway. They're not crossing at an intersection or a street corner. And then still today, people riding their bicycles with no headlamp, no reflectors, all dark clothing. How the hell do you think people are supposed to see you? And then you have this idiot going three times the speed limit through a school zone. You know, I drive for a living and I've been driving many years and I've driven many miles. Sometimes when I think I've seen everything, I haven't. And this is the first that I've ever heard anybody doing over three times the legal limit through a school zone. Now, I've seen a lot of bad driving out there. What people do on our roadways. And even here in Ontario, in the city that I reside in, we even have red light cameras. I mean, people don't even come to a full stop to make a right-hand turn. They just go around the corner. They don't want to wait for that light again, so, you know, they run that red light. Oh, orange. I guess orange is the new green. The orange light means, oh, you can still go. No, that's not what it means. It means that light is turning red. 
and that you are to stop. Unless you're already at the intersection when it turns orange, you're going to go through the intersection. I mean, that's just, just, just common sense. But you know that you can stop. And the other thing that I see people do, maybe in your city, town, village, wherever you may be or, or from, that on the light standard, they have the number countdown. I just want to remind drivers out there, that's not for you. That's not for you to look to see where those where that number is at and step on the gas. That is for pedestrians crossing the street. That is how much time they have. So the indicator starts at 15 seconds. That's what the pedestrian has to get across the street. It's not for you to floor it and blow through the light. Now, another incident already, and this is the first week of school. You know, to the school bus drivers out there, I got to say thank you for what you do. You know, you're semi-retired, you're retired, and you're helping out, you're getting the kids to school safely. I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, and you're going back to your depot, you know, in your last, your very last stop, make sure that your bus is empty. There's no more children left on your bus. And there shouldn't be any children left on your bus on your last stop. And already the first week of school, a child was left on the bus. The bus driver parked the bus and went home. Parents were frantic when the child doesn't get off the bus. They got to call the school. They got to call the police. They got to get a hold of the bus company. Then they got to get a hold of the driver. This child was left on the bus for an hour in the bus depot. Already, the first week of school, this has happened. That's why it's so important. I mean, they, they teach you these things when you're, when you're taking the, the school bus driving course. They teach you these things. So at your very last stop, you check that bus. Children come in all different sizes, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why you check every seat between the seats, under the seats. That there's no children left on your bus on your last stop. These sort of things shouldn't happen, but it does. 
It's not the first time, and unfortunately, it probably won't even be the last time. Take that extra time to check. And take that extra time for leaving for work in the morning times, or even if you're a parent that drives your kids to school, take that extra time to get there. The same thing with going to work. I have a 45 minute commute to work Monday to Friday. From driving out of the city onto the highway through the rural areas to where I go to work, get in my truck, drive to Toronto, do all my deliveries and pickups, and come home. I give myself an hour and a half to get to work. And when, I, when, I, when I'm commuting out of the city or driving through the city, I, I pick up my coffee and I go on my way. At 6 o'clock in the morning, people are just speeding down the roadways. Tailgating, lane hopping. It's quarter to 6 in the morning. I mean, if you start at 6, then maybe you should have left at, at 5. I don't get the gist of it, ladies and gentlemen. I really don't. You know, driving is one of the most dangerous things you'll ever do in your life. Driving is not a right. It's a privilege. That's why you can lose that privilege for your behavior on our area roads and highways. It's time to take care and slow down. I don't understand what the hurry is. Whether you're going shopping or going to work. Give yourself more ample time to get there. So I want to thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me this evening, this Friday, September the, um, the 10th. And of course, tomorrow marks another anniversary of 9-11. So take care out there, ladies and gentlemen, and be safe. Give your loved ones a hug and tell them that you love them. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. Take care and be safe.